Hello and welcome along to episode 88 of the All Things Leeds podcast with myself, Ed McIntyre. And joining me remotely, of course, is as always my podcast co-host, Charles Foster. Charles, hello, mate. Hi, mate. How are you doing? I'm uh, very well. How are you? Happy St. Patrick's Day to you. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you, mate. Yeah, you, are you having a good one? You've, you've got a Guinness there, haven't you? You've had a few already. I've had a couple already, not a few. <laughs> yeah, it's a good excuse to, to have a Guinness and, and drink midweek, isn't it, St. Patrick's Day? Hopefully you're having a, <laughs> having a good one. Uh, everyone else who celebrates St. Patrick's Day, I uh, hope you've all had a, had a fantastic time. Uh, well, we've got a packed show today for you. Uh, we'll be uh, reflecting on Leeds United's previous game, which of course was that 0-0 draw at home to Chelsea. We'll also see how the Leeds United under-23s have done recently. We've got a bit of news to get into as well before we look ahead to Leeds United's next game, which is that big one against Fulham away at Craven Cottage on Friday night. So loads coming up here on the All Things Leeds podcast. Well, as always, let's begin the show by reflecting on Leeds United's previous game, which was that goalless draw at home to Chelsea. Uh, Now, we went into the game, Charles, having lost two games in a row, five defeats in seven. So we were in need of a positive result soon, but I don't think anyone saw us getting anything from this game, did you? No, I wasn't overly optimistic about this. Me and you, you know, off air, sort of decided this was going to be kind of a free hit of a game, much like the Man City game, the Liverpool game earlier in the season, where if we got something great, if we didn't, then, you know, it's not the end of the world. But yeah, it was a, just a really solid defensive performance. I thought Chelsea going forward were a bit disjointed. I thought they wasted a couple of chances that they had. I thought we had a couple of chances. Um, I thought, all in all, yeah, a draw was probably a fair result. I thought we did play quite well, particularly defensively, we played very well. Yeah, yeah, I'd say a job was a fair result. It was a a big, big point Leeds United picked up, you know, against a good team. Because as you say, you know, you're going into the game with zero expectation, really. You know, it is a free hit against one of these so-called big six clubs. You know, I, I went into it with no expectations. I was thinking, you know, if, if we just get something, get through the game unscathed and we can focus on the more important game against Fulham, then we'll be fine. But... Now, to, to go out there, you know, against a team who were undefeated in the last 12 games in all competitions, uh, who had improved massively under new head coach Thomas Tuchel, winning eight and uh, drawing three of his first 11 games in charge. They're, they're a team who were able to have Timo Werner and Olivier Giroud sat on the bench. They, they had no recognised striker starting the game, but they still had the likes of Ziyech, Pulisic, Havertz and Mount starting a very good team. And for us to go out there and put in a performance like that, you know, Meziad keep his ninth clean sheet of the season, despite having a brand new centre-back partnership in front of him with Llorente and, and Stuick uh, in front of him. Uh, it, it was a very impressive performance from Leeds United, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was, yeah, really, really decent, solid. And, you know, we, we dealt with the opposition very well, which we haven't done in recent games. We we, we kind of counted their threats. And I thought we, we put we a, a definite threat of our own. I thought... Well, it's not often we get dominated in games, you know, possession-wise. But yeah, we did get dominated possession-wise. But yeah, we had a few chances here and there. And there weren't, other than that that Havertz one where he kind of nipped in between the, the centre-halves and got his shot off, I, I didn't think they really breached us and made us really, really worried at any point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Chelsea went, you know, when Chelsea were attacking, I wasn't, you know, thinking of, God, we, you know, we're going to concede here. You know, I thought it was a, a very good performance from Leeds United, a very solid display. And, you know, the pitch, it didn't look great, but it didn't seem to have, uh, you know, too big of an effect on the game, which was, which was uh, good to see. Uh, but as I say, you know, the main goal for, for me was just to get through the game, you know, with no injuries or suspensions heading into the big game against Fulham. Uh, but we didn't go through the whole game unscathed. Of course, Patrick Bamford limped off uh, during the first half. He has a slight knock, but 
could have a chance to play against Fulham. Uh, but it was a shame to see Bamford go off, wasn't it? Because it was his 100th appearance for the club, Charles. Well, not just that, but Gareth Southgate is obviously uh, was in attendance and uh, would well, be only putting a good show for him because there's rumours about him and even Luke Ayling being called up to the England squad. So you want to be kind of being your best form and you know playing your, your best game for that. Yeah, it was unfortunate for Bamford. I think I do. I do think it's likely that he'll be playing um, on Friday. Be also kind of indicated that in his press, press conference that he's likely to go, to be fit for the uh, for the game. So no need for undue concern, really. Yeah, hopefully Bamford is is fine for Friday's game. Uh, but Rodrigo took his place, and it was great to see Rodrigo play as the number nine, as, as the as the centre forward, the striker in this game. But he was taken off midway through the second half. Uh, for Metaus Click, which was surprising really at the time. I think most people thought Alioski would be subbed off because he was on the yellow card and Alioski looked like he was going to get a second yellow as well, but fortunately he didn't. Uh, but the reason was because Bios thought that he wasn't up to full match fitness, which, uh, you know, we, it's good that we're being sensible with uh, Rodrigo in his return. Yeah, I think Bielsa only really wanted to give him 45 minutes, but Bamford's injury obviously uh, made his arrival a bit sooner than he than Bielsa kind of anticipated. But yeah, I thought uh, Rodrigo was all right. I thought he did an okay job, nothing kind of spectacular. He had that good chance in the second half, which you know, in hindsight, you know, it was probably our best chance of the game from from the corner. But yeah, I thought otherwise he was his play was okay. Yeah, I mean, you got to consider that, you know, it's his first game, his first few minutes back in the first team for, for a long, long time since his injury. So, um, it was good to see Rodrigo back. Um, it, it does seem like he does have a knock, but uh, hopefully uh, he is fine for the next few games. Um, of course, no Liam Cooper for this game. He was sick. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it was a new centre-back partnership of Llorente and uh, Struick. And uh, they put in a solid performance. The whole defence did, didn't they, Charles? You know, Luke Kalin. Urente, Struik and Phillips, they were, they were all magnificent in this game. Yeah, yeah, they were all, they were all superb. Urente was kind of at his best, kind of cutting things, cutting dangerous balls of the box out and really uh, kind of dominating the opposition forwards. And I thought Struik did his, did his usual thing, you know, he uh, harried the uh, the strikers and he was, you know, decent in the air and I thought he was strong when he needed to be and I thought Phillips had, a, you know, another very decent game. So when you've got that kind of solid base, the, um, the kind of crux of your team, you, you're going to, you know, Force teams out wide and ended up being what Chelsea did, um, trying to get the ball to Zayak, who I thought had a pretty poor game. You know, they were trying to get the ball to Chilwell to overlap. I thought once Alder Costa came on, Chilwell was largely ineffective. I thought Costa did a decent job on him. So, yeah, it was just a really, really decent defensive performance. Yeah, and you mentioned Alder Costa there. Big credit to him because when he came on, he really did. Uh, keep Chilwell quiet, didn't he? He did his defensive duties. Yeah, it's not just that, but he gave he got us, he got us a little bit further forward, and he gave Chill a little bit more defending to do. So he stopped Chillwell being available to do you know do the overlaps and stuff, which uh, kind of lessened the pressure you know on the wings. Yeah, uh, it was it was of course a goalless draw, but I mean it wasn't boring at all. The, both sides had, had plenty of chances in the game. Uh, Havertz had a really good chance early on, but straight away from that we hit on the counter attack. Uh, Bamford being played through, he squared it to Roberts for tapping, and you know we did have a ball in the back of the net, but Bamford was ruled offside and the goal didn't count and it was the correct decision. But it really annoys me how they don't put the flag up straight away because, you know, you, you think, oh, yeah, we're in, we've scored. It, it, it ruins goals now 
doesn't it? You, you're thinking, oh, should I celebrate this goal? Because there could be a chance it could be offside. I can understand the logic of why they're doing it because they want, you know, if, if it's very marginal, you know, you know, when the ball gets played through, I can understand why they'd want to play it out and then have a look back at VAR just in case something happens. Because, you know, if they stop the player there and then you look back at it later on on VAR, it turns out the player was onside. You'd feel a bit gutted that you, you, it wasn't allowed to play on. But at the same time, you've got, you know, a lot of unnecessary running. You had that incident with the, in the game that Wolves played where Rui Patricio got injured, you know, because they were playing on. Even though it was the linesman knew it was offside, so there's kind of there's benefits and disadvantages to both. You know, both ways of doing it. I think. Yeah, yeah, certainly. It's a it's an interesting one, really, and I'm sure it'll be looked at soon. But um, yeah, I, I, you know, some necessary running. You know, it's, it's, it kills goal celebrations, and um, yeah, it, like we saw in the Liverpool Wolves game in midweek. You know, Rui Patricio getting injured, unfortunately. Uh, ho- hopefully, he has a, a speedy recovery, Rui Patricio, but. Um, yeah, I mean, players could get injured from from this when you know it shouldn't even happen because it's offside. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting one, really. Um, there was a a bit of a heavy moment uh, around, around the eleventh minute mark, Hailing smashing the ball straight into uh, Juventus and the ball going over Messier, uh, hitting the bar, and then bouncing back into Messier's hands. That was a a very heavy moment. Um, but Tyler Roberts he had a very good chance a few minutes later, where cutting him to his uh, right foot. Uh, tried to dink it into that top right-hand corner, didn't he? But uh, Mendy got a fingertip touch save uh, to tip it onto the bar. Um, so, yeah, the, the ball hit the crossbar at both ends in, in a couple of minutes. If he'd have scored that, that would have been goal of the season, I reckon. Just the amount of dip on it was ridiculous. It, like, it, it dipped so much in, in mid-air. Edouard Mendy is just a superb goalkeeper, which is uh, frustrating because he's at Chelsea. But, yeah, he's just a quality <laughs> goalkeeper. <laughs> And uh, that, that was just a, you know, a really, really good save. And you've got to say, yeah. while, it, while it is annoying that it's happened against your team, you've just got to say fair play. It just was, was a good save. Good shot, good save, move on. Yeah. And uh, Tyler Roberts, he, he had a, f- a few decent chances in this game. And he, he had a really good game, didn't he? You know, of course, came close to scoring, hit the bar. Um, but uh, this was probably Tyler Roberts' best performance in the lead shirt for, for some time. He was excellent in this game. Yeah, he had some he had some really quality moments, um, and he seemed to be getting a lot of freedom because while Bamford was on the pitch, the a lot of the Chelsea marking was around Bamford, um, and then when Rodrigo came on, he got marked quite heavily. I thought, uh, but Roberts was picking up a lot of space, you know, in between the lines in the middle of the pitch, and he wasn't always getting picked up, which is a, a surprise really because you think it, that Kante would be the one to to sit on Roberts, but it couldn't seem to get hold of him. And I thought he was picking up the ball in a lot of dangerous areas, creating a lot of chances, and a lot of our kind of best moves of the game kind of went through Roberts. Yeah, Robert seems to be full of confidence at the moment, and um, yeah, hopefully he keeps up these good performances. Because before the game, there were people thinking, "Oh, let's start Rodrigo and take Tyler Roberts out." But um, no, he's putting he's putting in good performances, and um, yeah, I don't think anyone's going to take Tyler Roberts' position in in the next few games. Um, so yeah, ho- hopefully he keeps it up. Um, Kai Havertz had a great chance. Um, ju- you know, just a few minutes into the second half, uh, yeah, good, a good uh, shot straight at Messier, uh, who 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 tipped it over over for a corner. Um, and yeah, of course, Lee United had a, had a few chances as well. Uh, Rodrigo nodded the ball down to Rafinha, who had the shot on the turn, and then uh, Mendy uh, produced a really strong one-handed save there. And uh, yeah, later on in the game, of course, uh, Rodrigo uh, had a free header in the box, and uh, yeah, he, he added uh, straight at the goalkeeper. But uh, yeah, but plenty of chances for both sides. But uh, you know, he said he said early, Charles, a, a draw was was the fair result, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think given the spread of the chances and Chelsea's dominance of the ball, but I think how defensively solid we were, I think the draw was the was the fair result. And I think I think a, a, a score draw would have been a fairer result, but yeah. a draw 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a point of piece, which is which is fair. And uh, yeah, a goalless draw, which is rare under Bielsa. It's only the fourth 0 nil under Marcelo Bielsa and uh, the second of the season. So um, yeah, a, a goalless draw, which is a, which is a rarity. But no, it's a solid point for, for Leeds United. A big, big point against a top team. And uh, Charles, it's one step closer to the uh, magic forty points and uh, closer to Premier League survival. Yeah, that's uh, always been the benchmark. And for me, you know, the next game is the perfect chance to get up to 39. <laughs> I think we we really do need to be, you know, closing on it. And once we're there and we're safe, then no one's actually worrying. But we probably are safe, you know, probably. But I want to be definitely safe. And that's, yeah. that's the difference. Yeah, and I think a win over Fulham would, would certainly uh, ease, ease, a, ease a lot of pressure and relax a, a few Leeds United fans. Um, but no, a very positive result to take into that Fulham game now. Uh, who was your man of the match from the Chelsea game? I'm actually going to go. For, I'm not actually. Gonna, I was going to go for Tyler Roberts because of his because of his efforts throughout the game, and I'm going to go for a slightly weirder one. I'm going to go for Ilan Millier for his uh, for his ninth clean sheet of the season as a 21 year old goalkeeper in the Premier League in his debut season. Uh, and I thought, you know, every time Chelsea got through, we didn't look phased. I think he made eight saves in the game. I'm going to I'm going to vote him for that because I think he's uh, had, a, had a great game. Yeah, uh, I put out a man of match poll on Twitter after the game, as I always do after you know. Either, either wins or draws. Um, and Calvin Phillips, Tyler Roberts, Diego Juvente, and Elon Mezia were in the poll. Um, and Tyler Roberts and Diego Juvente uh, both won it, uh, 32% uh, each on that poll. Calvin Phillips got 20%, and Elon Mezia only got 16%. But Mezia certainly had a good game. He was my man of the match um, as well. But uh, no, Diego Juvente, he keeps an improving game by game as well. And uh, yeah, you know, to, to, to keep a clean sheet, it's, uh, it's a massive positive, Charles. Yeah, because I think we've 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 struggled a lot defensively this season. I think particularly uh, particularly against this kind of level of opposition, I don't think it can be. Uh, it's not, nothing to be sniffed at to pick up uh, under the clean sheet, especially with the constantly changing centre half partnership that we've had all season. <laughs> yeah, uh, due to illness and injury, I think it's uh, you know a, a real positive. Yeah, and big credit to Pascal Schuurk as well because he was a doubt before the game, but of, of course he started, and uh, it, it was great to see him start as well. I, I'm really enjoying Pascal Schuurk's performances uh, recently. I think I think he's improving game by game. He's he, you know he's he's only 21 years old. He's going to be fantastic in a few years. Is Schuurk? Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying his performances. But uh, you know, a, a very a good point for Leeds United against Chelsea. We of course move on to. Uh, Friday night's game, the big game away at Fulham. Uh, and Charles and I will preview that game later on in the show. The Leeds United 23s were defeated 2 0 at Crystal Palace at the beginning of the month, uh, ending their nine game win streak. Uh, however, they did bounce back in the following game, uh, winning 2 0 away at Wolves, courtesy of a brace from Rodrigo. And after that, they then beat Newcastle 2 1 at Four Parch, thanks to goals from Joe Gelhart and Charlie Cresswell. Uh, Charles, it's unfortunate that they lost at Crystal Palace, but they did go down to 10 men early on in that game. And so it was always going to be, a, you know, an uphill battle from that. And, you know, I guess as well, all good things must come to an end eventually. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, but no one runs last forever. Not, not, not even at the, you know, the very top level with the very best teams. And, but yeah, they, they, they've had a spectacular season and they've since bounced back from that. I, I do think you're right. I think the, uh, the kind of wannabe celebrity referees and the, uh, they're kind of appearing in the 23s as well as in regular football, <laughs> you know, can't happy refs. But yeah, they, they've obviously bounced back with a couple of wins. It's a bit of a cheat code playing Spain's number nine in the 23s, but you know, whatever. <laughs> if, if Portugal could buy put the uh, sorry, if Portugal could buy if Wolves can buy Portugal's first team, you know, we, we can play Spain's number nine. Um, 
And yeah, in the Newcastle game, you know, a fairly attritional second half. I thought it was a fairly even game, but they've edged it. Uh, they're just that bit closer to being crowned champions of the league. Yeah, they certainly are. I think it's inevitable that they will win the league now. Of course, touch wood. Um, but no, speaking of things that trickle down from first team into 123's football, uh, losing in London, the, the, the curse is, is clearly very powerful. But, um, you know, I guess, the, you know, the loss against Crystal Palace is kind of a weight off the shoulders, isn't it? Because, you know, they aren't going into games anymore now thinking, well, let's keep this incredible win streak going. You know, they, they can relax a little bit and, you know, just focus on winning the league and winning promotion to PL2 Division 1. They know they they know what they what's at stake and they know the kind of level of opposition they'll 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 get the chance to play against if they get promoted. So I've got full faith in the mentality of the team and I think there's some some real decent players in there. Yeah, there certainly is, and uh, yeah, it was great that, that they bounced back from that Crystal Palace defeat. Of course, with a win at Wolves, courtesy of of a brace from Rodrigo, good to see him back and scoring, even if it is just for the young twenty threes. Um, and yeah, and then to go and beat Newcastle, meaning that they've now beaten every team in the league, which is just fantastic. Uh, Robin Cock featured in the Newcastle game. It's uh, good to see Cock back in action. <laughs> yeah, poor choice of words, but yeah, it is. Uh, it's <laughs> good to see him playing again. I'll, I'll be um, looking forward to seeing how he adjusts back uh, to. Um, to first team football and see if he's uh see if he can make it back into the first team for a start given how how well you're in streak have been playing and whether we can see you know the best of him before the end of the season yeah there's, there's certainly strong competition now for those center back places um but no good stuff there from uh, mac jackson's under 23 side uh so yeah four league games left of the season and they currently sit top of the league on 46 points 13 points above second place stoke though stoke do have two games in hand uh, so, yeah, just two more wins needed to seal the title and promotion. Uh, and we'll see if they can get one of those wins uh, in their next game, which is against uh, away against uh, West Brom on Monday, the 22nd of March. Uh, and they should win that one, really. West Brom are bottom of the league on 17 points and have won just two and lost eight of their previous 10 games. So, uh, yeah, it should be a win that one for the league and League 23s, but we'll see if they can win that. Uh, and as I say, that game is on Monday, the 22nd of March, and kicks off at 2 p.m. Let's now have a look at some news. And we spoke in the previous episode about the UK government's roadmap out of lockdown, and that if everything goes as planned, uh, then fans will be allowed to return to football matches uh, from the 17th of May with up to 10,000 spectators. Uh, so that would mean that fans will be able to attend uh, on the final uh, weekend of the Premier League season uh, with up to 9,400 Leeds fans being able to go to the Leeds versus West Brom game uh, at Ellen Road on the 23rd of May. Uh, well, the Premier League is now planning uh, to shift its 36th and 37th rounds of fixtures back to ensure all clubs welcome 10,000 fans for one game before the end of the season, uh, which is good. You know, I think it's the fair thing to do. I don't think it would be fair on West Brom if they had to come to Ellen Road on the final day of the season. I mean, played, you know, the, the entire season behind closed doors, you know, then potentially needing a point or three to stay up and having to play in front of 10,000 Leeds United fans, although it's, you know, it's not a sellout crowd. You know, first came back, 10,000 fans, Leeds fans are going to make a lot of noise. So it wouldn't have been fair on West Brom, really. So, uh, you know, pushing it pushing it back so all teams get to have 10,000 fans in for one game, you know, it does make it fair, doesn't it? Well, yeah, but, you know, I don't think West Brom are going to be within three points of safety come the final game of the season. To be honest with you. <laughs> Incredibly unlikely, but I can understand the logic. So, yeah, for sure, whatever. 
Uh, I, I do think it's good that, you know, that I think every team, you know, is going to get a chance to welcome 10,000 fans back. You know, it's uh, it's going to be, you know, great experiences for, for even more fans across the country. Great atmospheres. You know, you'd imagine it'll probably be scenes to get old as you get tickets, but I'm sure people will just go down just to experience it. Uh, now, clubs might not have any financial benefit, you know, having just 10,000 fans in the ground. Uh, in fact, Leeds United CEO Angus Kinnear uh, has said recently that financially it's not worth doing, logistically it's not worth doing, but emotionally it is worth doing it. Uh, he went on to say that he'd be excited to welcome fans back for even just one game and is keen to do it. Uh, and it'll be great, wouldn't it, Charles, to, to let fans in, you know, for, for just even one game, you know, and there's no guarantee that next season we'll we'll have full capacity. So, you know, I guess it's good, you know, but before next season, just have a trial run, really, and welcome a few fans back. Yeah, I mean, they're going to try and see what they can do uh, with the new measures in place and how they can spread people out and, you know, what the problems are going to be. I think it's a good kind of test run for the for the following season. Yeah, it certainly is. And uh, yeah, it's all sounding promising. Uh, there's now uh, a big light at the end of this very long and dark tunnel. Uh, but of course, it can only happen uh, if people, you know, stick to government guidance and, you know, coronavirus cases continue to drop. So yeah, please, if you're listening and watching this right now, do stick to the guidance so we can get out of this lockdown as soon as possible. Um, elsewhere, Marcel Bielsa has surpassed 1,000 days as Leeds United head coach, the first to reach that milestone since Simon Grayson and uh, boy does 1,000 days uh, have flown by, haven't they? To think it's almost three years since we appointed Bielsa and, you know, so much has happened, you know, of course, Bielsa winning promotion back to the Premier League for the first time in 16 years. You know, Bielsa's done a fantastic job at Leeds. You know, he's changed the whole club and City, really, for the better. He's done a phenomenal job. Yeah, Bielsa's well, certainly been, it's certainly been the, 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 the best time following Leeds. I won't say in my lifetime because we we were in the Champions League in my lifetime. But I don't really remember that. So this is probably the you know the best time as Leeds United fan following the club. So I've uh, I've enjoyed every every minute of it. I hope we get another thousand days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ho- hopefully we do. But uh, no, but BLC's B- B- uh, been in charge uh, of Leeds for 130 games now, uh, six seven wins, uh, 20 draws, and 43 losses. Uh, yeah, he- he's got a phenomenal record at-, at Leeds United. One of the best managers the club has ever had. Um, and on reaching a thousand days in charge, uh, Bielsa said, I go from day to day thinking I'm going to be here for the rest of my life. At the same time, it's a profession that usually has interruptions. I don't think there are many managers in football who have the legitimacy to stay in a job for as long as they like, uh, which is a you know very nice, very nice reading, really. I think a lot of fans. Uh, interpreted that a bit wrong, though. You know, looking at that, thinking, "Oh, BLC wants to be here for the rest of his life." I, I just think he, he's saying there that he doesn't feel any pressure on him. Really, you know, he, he doesn't feel like he's going to get sacked if things don't go right. So, I, I think that I think that's what BLC is trying to say there. Yeah, he's just trying to. I think he's just trying to put people at ease, saying that he, he feels very comfortable in the job and he likes the area. I mean, he's previously said he likes the he likes Yorkshire as a as a region. So I think he's just kind of trying to put people at ease in his in his typical way. <laughs> Uh, but it certainly sounds promising, and you know, I, I, again, I think it, it, you know, it just shows that, you know how comfortable he is in Leeds, and you know, if the board keeps delivering his promises, you know, he, he'll remain here. I mean, he, he's six to five years old now. I mean, can you see him retirement, retirement at Leeds? Because he's not going to get sacked, is he? And it'd be great, great to think that this is going to be Bielsa's last job. Yeah, that would be the kind of the perfect ending. It would it would sting a bit if he if he went to another club, particularly if he went to another club in this country. I don't, it wouldn't hurt as much as if he, if he went abroad. I think I'd, I think I'd be all right with that. You know, if we returned to Newell's old boys, then you know I'd be I'd be more than okay with that. 
Yeah, I mean that that'd be absolutely fine because that's his, you know, that's his bio club, that's his club. He he, he loves them the most. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd love it if he retired with us. That'd be the kind of perfect ending. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I also think what what Bielsa has been saying recently, you know, also shows that one year contracts don't mean anything really. You know, I think most managers only sign long term contracts so they get a big payoff when they're you know eventually sacked. Bielsa is not about that, is he? You know, Bielsa is just get the one year deal, not tie himself down to a long time. And just get the job done and then see what happens. Yeah, I think he. Uh, a lot of people are kind of obsessed with, people, with managers signing two or three year deals. And, you know, managers are rarely in jobs for, for three years. Are they? It's quite rare these days for a manager to be in a job a long time. So I think Bielsa just wants to make sure that he's, uh, you know, the owner's happy with him. He's happy with the job that he doesn't get, you know, tied down if, if he's in a situation he doesn't like. So I think it's just a you know, way of protecting himself, protecting the club, and, you know, not giving owners difficult decisions to make. So I can understand why he does it. Yeah, I, I think I think it's you know it just speaks volumes about the type of person Marcel Bielsa is, and um, yeah, what what a guy, what a guy, what a job he's done in the you know the thousand days he's been in charge at Leeds. I love him. I, I don't think I've ever loved an old man so much before, and I've never even met. Yeah. I, I've never even actually spoke spoken words with a guy. You know, he's just a, an unbelievable person, and uh, yeah, he's doing a fantastic job. And uh, yeah, hopefully, as you say, we get another thousand days of Marcel Bielsa. Um, in other news, it's of course the uh, international break after this weekend, and uh, quite a few Leeds United players have been called up to the and uh, international teams. Uh, so, 27-year-old defender Diego Juventus has been named in Luis Enrique's Spain squad for their upcoming games against Greece, Georgia and Kosovo. 30-year-old midfielder Matos Klik has been called up to Poland for their World Cup qualifiers against Hungary, Andorra and England. 22-year-old forward Tyler Roberts has been named in Ryan Giggs's Wales side for their World Cup qualifying fixtures against Belgium, Mexico and Czech Republic. 21-year-old goalkeeper Ilan Mezier has been called up to France's under-21s for their upcoming games. Jan Elioski will play for North Macedonia in their games against Romania, Liechtenstein and Germany. And 20-year-old left-back Niall Huggins has been called up to the Wales under-21 squad for their clash with Republic of Ireland. Uh, Charles, it's just awesome, isn't it, to have so many international players at the club? Well, yeah, it's the kind of... um... The privilege of being in the Premier League, you get these kind of caliber of players, and you get to get to see them play in these games. But you know, I often when I'm thinking about internationals, I just want people to come back not injured, you know, <laughs> in any way, just because I've got that kind of pessimism that's kind of bred into you when you were when you were a Leeds United fan. So if everyone can just come back having had good games and not been injured, that'd be perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's the main thing, you know, have no players come back and, and who have picked up knocks. I mean, a lot of people have criticised this upcoming international break, haven't they, saying that you know, it shouldn't happen. You know, there's pretty meaningless games, really. You know, most of them just friendlies. And it's in the middle of a pandemic. You know, you've, you've got players travelling, you know, out of their club bubbles and into, you know, competing against other bubbles, you know, all around the world travelling during a pandemic. And players as well, you know, having to play more games in what is already, you know, an incredibly difficult domestic domestic schedule you know so a lot of people don't think it don't think it, the international break should should be happening uh, what are your thoughts on this i was a bit you know i'm not i'm not a big fan of the international break in general taking place uh particularly during a pandemic because um when you are you're you're, you're risking players you're you're traveling to you know foreign countries you're, there's a potential for you know for fat you know for fans to turn up you know to international games when you know when you're not supposed to be there there's you know, potential players could go out, you know, pick up the, you know, the disease in a different country. So there, there is a bit of a worry there. And, you know, particularly for the friendlies, you think it's kind of unnecessary. You can understand, you know, qualifiers and things like that and playoffs and stuff. But when it's when it's just a friendly, those games aren't essential. They're not, yeah. not crucial for the season to continue. Whereas, you know, 
league games, Champions League games, uh, qualifiers, those things are kind of essential cup games. Those, you know, for 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 seasons continuing to finish properly. But yeah, for for friendlies and stuff, I, I don't particularly see the point until things are back to normal. Yeah, neither do I. I, I personally don't think you know an international break right now is is the best option. Really, you know, when, you know when you know England is focusing on getting out of lockdown most of the world is focusing on getting back to normal so having all you know all these club players you know coming together and then traveling you know across europe i don't think it's it's sensible really so um yeah i don't think it should should happen of course you know you've, you've got the euros coming up in the summer and you know managers need to get the squads together but i mean just, just do the friendlies you know closer to closer to the euros really and you know they're gonna have camps as well anyway so um they have plenty of time to get this squad sorted before the uh before Euro 2020, uh, which is happening in 2021, so, yeah, it's a it's a it's, it's an interesting one. Uh, but Ilan Messier being called up to the uh, France and 21s again, which is good to see. Surely it's only a matter of time, Charles, before uh, Messier is called up to their first team. It might be another couple of years. I mean, he's, he is still quite young, and France are not going to put in a goalkeeper that young. They've still got Larice there. But yeah, it'd be, it'd be it'd be superb to have a you know to have a French a full French international in the team that would be that would be brilliant because let's be honest France are probably the best team in the world at the moment and have been for a few years so to have a player in that team would be brilliant but yeah I'm I'm, I'm proud of Melia and I'm, I hope he does eventually make it up to the uh, the first team yeah so do I it'll, it'll just be good to even just see Melier on on the France bench you know have a next world cup perhaps you know I I think Melier you know will be called up to the first team soon and uh, yeah hopefully France number one in a few years few years as well I'm sure he will be uh, now Gareth Southgate is set to announce for your England squad uh, on Thursday uh, you'd expect Calvin Phillips to be called up again he he seems to be you know kind of uh, an England regular now uh, but the Guardian are reporting that Patrick Bamford and Luke Aylin could be called up to the England squad, which would just be absolutely insane. Yeah, it's a weird one. I bet when you get when you're getting sold by um when you're getting sold by Bristol City when you're 25 years old for whatever it was, 250 grand or whatever. Oh sorry, half a million. But you're getting sold for, for half a million when you're when you're 25 from Bristol City to Leeds in the championship. I bet if someone told you that when you were 29, you know, pushing 30, that you're gonna get called up to the England squad, you'd laugh in the face to be honest with you, wouldn't you? It's just a it's a crazy game. And this is all thanks to Bielsa. I mean, Phillips wouldn't be anywhere near the England squad. Bamford certainly wouldn't. Ailing wouldn't. Melier wouldn't be anywhere. I don't think he'd be. I think he was maybe in the youth setup of France, but you know, maybe he wouldn't have continued if he hadn't been getting regular to first team football. So a lot of these players owe a lot to Bielsa. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, no, Luke Ailing, he's been superb this season. Definitely. Uh... You know, d- does deserve. Yeah, I think he does deserve a call up. But whether he's better than you know the likes of Trent Alexander-Arnold, Reese James, Ivan Wambasaka, you know that that's another question. But you know, if Luke Halen's called up, you know, then you know that that's just fantastic. And Patrick Bamford as well, of course, he's having a fantastic season. Um, and you know, you've got Tammy Abraham who's still out. Uh, so Bamford, you know, if he's called up, it'll be great to see him to see him play for England. Yeah, I mean, it'd be brilliant to see Patrick Bamford play for England because, you know, the amount of stick he's had over his career, you know, from other to other clubs, you know, from our club, from us. I mean, we can't shy away from it. We've criticised him on occasion, but he's had a, he's had a brilliant season and he, I think he certainly deserves to be, you know, be mentioned in those kind of terms. Yeah, he absolutely does. But uh, we'll need to wait and see what the England squad is like um, on Thursday. Uh, in other news, uh, Leeds United's first two games in April have been selected for TV broadcast. So Leeds United's home game against Sheffield United uh, is now on Saturday, the 3rd of April, and that will kick off at 3pm and will be live on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, and uh, Leeds United's trip to the Etihad Stadium to take on Manchester City will now kick off at 12.30pm on Saturday, the 10th of April, 
and that will be shown live on BT Sports. Plenty of games there to look forward to on TV. Uh, and finally, we've had some uh, team news ahead of the Fulham game, and 29-year-old defender and club captain Liam Cooper is still out through illness. 30-year-old forward Rodrigo is a doubt with a fresh muscular problem, but Patrick Bamford looks like he could be fit for Friday's game. Uh, he has a knock on his hip, but has a chance, a good chance of recovering in time. Uh, Charles, it's unfortunate news about Rodrigo, isn't it? You know, it, it was good having him back, you know, for, for the last few games, but now he seems like he's going to be out again, which uh, is frustrating for everyone, really. Yeah, he has had quite a stop-start season, but, you know, as long as Bamford's available, I think we'll we'll be okay. It's just a shame we couldn't have had a season where there's, you know, not completely injury-free, because that very rarely happens, but, you know, <laughs> A lot more consistency in the starting eleven. I would have, I would have preferred. But you know, regardless, we, we're, we're nearly there, so you can't say it's affected us hugely. Yeah, um, and you'd, you'd imagine that big injuries and illnesses. Rodrigo's had this season as, yeah, stopped his flow this season. Uh, but it's a good thing that Bamford could be back. If Bamford and Rodrigo were both out, then uh, we would have been in a bit of a pickle there, wouldn't we? Yeah, <laughs> it would have been a you know a little bit of a concern, but you know. It still might happen. Bamford might not make it back. We'll have to see what, what actually occurs. So if they are both out, what happens? Well, I think it'll probably have to be Roberts up front and kind of and click in the probably in the in the ten roll, maybe. You know Shackleton maybe in the midfield or and then have you know Phillips at the base, Harrison and um, Rafinha on the wings, and then just defence as normal. I think they have to do it like that. Yeah, I think I think Roberts would would definitely play number nine, um, if if both Bamford and Rodrigo are out for for the Fulham game. But um, it would mean that you know we'd we'd see the likes of Gelhart or or Greenwood on the bench, which which would be fantastic. Um, but no, hopefully Bamford is is back for the Fulham game, and uh, yeah, Rodrigo he is only a doubt, so hopefully he he's available. Uh, but Liam Cooper is still out, and uh, he'll be a big miss. Of course, he, he's the club captain. He, you know, we're always going to miss the captain. But with Bavardi back, Cock back, Juventi and Struick performing well, we, we should be fine without him, shouldn't we? You'd certainly hope so. <laughs> I mean, it's probably one of our more winnable games of the uh, kind of home stretch of the season, them and West Brom and Sheffield United. Those are the kind of games I'm looking at thinking those are, you know, not definitely the three points, but, you know, much more winnable than, you know, the Manchester clubs and Liverpool who've still got to play. So the, these are the kind of games we need to be picking up the points in. So you'd hope it wouldn't, um, even if they are both out, that it wouldn't affect us. But we'll just have to see what, what happens with the game. Yeah, we certainly will. But uh, no, I, I think the defence, you know, has proven this season that, you know, we can help with, with these injuries. And um, yeah, international break coming up. So plenty of time for, for players to, to, to recover and get back in time for, for the next few games after the Fulham game. But, uh, you know, that, that's for team news ahead of the uh, Fulham game. Uh, let's now look ahead to Leeds United's next game, which sees them take on Fulham away at Craven Cottage on Friday night. Uh, we kick off at 8pm. Charles, is this a must win for you? Not a, not a must win, but, you know, you've got to say if we were to go down and lose, it would be very disappointing because I think they're a, they're a poor football team. They are down there for a reason. They've struggled all season. I think they've won, what, five games all season so far. So I know it's the kind of the London hoodoo, but this is kind of the, the best opportunity we're going to get to kind of put that to bed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, if we win as well, you know, that's us. I mean, I think we're already up, but, you know, if we win, then that's de- us definitely staying up, you'd think. And if we lose, then, you know, those relegation thoughts may start flowing through people's minds again, won't they? They will. They will. But I don't know what. Maybe I'm just feeling strangely confident today. I can't see us losing. I doubt we're going to lose. Yeah, I can't see us losing. But, I mean, it certainly will be an easy game, though, you know. But we, we can't sleep on Fulham. They've uh, 
been on a good run of form recently. I mean, of course, they did lose 3-0 at home to Manchester City in their last game, but, you know, that's against Manchester City. Manchester City are going to win the league, you know, they're, they're the best team in the country. So there, there's no surprise there. But before that, they lost just two games in 10, drawing five and winning three, including wins at Everton and Liverpool. So now, they have been doing well recently at Fulham and, uh, yeah, Scott Parker side, they're in, they're in desperate need of points as they sit in the relegation zone, uh, two points from safety. Um, and, yeah, they have been picking up results results recently. So they're going to be well up for this game, won't they? Well, yeah, I mean, they'll see it as a, same as us, as a kind of winnable game of their of their cast, a kind of last run. And their run's very, very hard. So they'll, they'll see this as a, as a crucial one, particularly because they're going to be at home, so... Yeah, we've got, to, we've got to take them seriously, of course, but I'm, I'm feeling, you know, strangely confident with regards to the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're going to be a hard team to beat, though, and they do have a few decent players, you know, uh, their top goal scorer, Bobby Reid, who has seven goals this season, uh, 23-year-old Loney, uh, Adamola Luckman, who has four goals and three assists this season. I've been really impressed with that Luckman um, at Fulham. Um, so, yeah, a few players to watch out for there. Uh, Fulham do remain without uh, goalkeeper Marek Rodak, defensive midfielder Kevin McDonald, centre-back Alfie Mawson, and also without midfielder and club captain Tom Kearney. So, yeah, they have a few injury concerns to Fulham themselves, but I don't think it, I still don't think it'll be an easy game. Uh, but what's the team lineup for you on, on Friday night? Would you, would you leave it unchanged from the, uh, the Chelsea game if Bamford's fit? Uh, yeah, I think I would. I think that's uh, probably going to be our best team. Yeah, yeah, so do I. I. I think I'd leave it unchanged. If Bamford's out and then Taz Roberts goes up front and then he either click off Shackleton in midfield uh, alongside uh, Dallas. Um, yeah, I, I certainly think Alioski and Harrison down the left, you know, they're, they're a great partnership. I think that, you know, they're, they balance out the squad well. So I, I think I think that's the best option on the left with, you know, Dallas in midfield who does a fantastic job. So, um, yeah, if, if Bamford's fit, which hopefully he is, and then unchanged, but um, no, if Bamford's out and Rodrigo goes out, and then, yeah, I think Tyler Roberts can just go up front and then click off Shackleton in midfield. But, um, you know, we, we, we take a good a good point heading into the Fulham game. So, yeah, hopefully the, the players are full of confidence. Uh, and, yeah, Leeds have a decent record against Fulham as well. Just two defeats in the last 10 meetings with uh, three wins and five draws. Uh, a, a, a string of five draws in a row there. Uh, of course, we won the last two meetings, won 3-0 at Ellen Road last season and 4-3 at Ellen Road early on this season. Uh, back in September, that was only the second game of the season as well. Um, so, can we win here, Charles? Can we? Can Leeds United finally lift the London hoodoo? Yeah, I think we can. Yeah, we're the backers to win. Yeah, I mean, if we don't win here, then we probably will never win another game in London, will we? I mean, this is the best chance we've had in in ages to to, to win a game in London. I think there's just far too many clubs in this league with, that are from London. I think they, they all need to be relegated. To be honest with you, I'm, I'm just sick of it. <laughs> There's so many teams in London, isn't there? It's ridiculous. But no, I think I think Leeds United do have, do have a good chance here to 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 end this London this horrid London curse. Um, and yes, secure the league double over over Fulham for the first time since the 1984-85 season. Can we win on Friday? Can we can we uh, secure a double over them and lift the curse? What's your score prediction? When you got two nil leads, two nil leads. That's a yeah, another clean sheet, which which would which would be quite nice. Um, yeah, I'm, I think I'll go the same as you. If uh, I mean, I, I can certainly see a draw. To be honest, you know, with this London curse, you know, and and Fulham doing decent, I can certainly see a draw. But um, no, a two 0 win would be a uh, would be a uh, fantastic. Uh, but no, hopefully, Lee Shatter can uh, can get the win, and uh, yeah, we can head into the uh, international break uh, with a high. <laughs> 
Well, that brings us to the end of episode 88 of the All Things Leeds podcast. Thank you very much, as always, to Charles for joining me. Thanks for having me on, Matt. No worries. Appreciate you joining me, as always, mate. And uh, thank you as well to everyone who has watched or listened. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Uh, if you enjoyed, then why not subscribe or follow the podcast on whatever platform you're on right now? Uh, if you have an Apple device, then make sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Uh, just search All Things Leeds on there and uh, share the podcast around as well. It really does help us out. Uh, make sure to follow All Things Leads on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search Poor Things Leads 1 on Twitter and Instagram. Search Poor Things Leads on Facebook and on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel where we have over 1,000 subscribers, which is amazing. Uh, so, yeah, keep up to date with, uh, with everything. Follow us on all platforms. And we've got some exciting content coming up. Of course, we'll have the usual match previews, match pre-match chats and post-match reactions uh, around uh, surrounding the uh, Fulham game on Friday. And uh, yeah, Charles and I will be back with a podcast next week. So uh, until next time, take care, stay healthy, stay safe, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.